We're back, your favorite podcast show of the week. This is Location Weekly, and it's episode number 530. Yes, that's a lot of episodes. We've been at this for a lot of weeks, a lot of years. Abriana, how are you doing this week? I'm good. I'm doing really good. Um, yeah, I mean, just starting to get settled in here in New York and, um, you know, feeling more like home. Actually, like, went for a run this morning, so, you know, I got the whole, like, Hi, good morning, while I was running uh, around the neighborhood. So it was kind of nice. It's like, it was good. Um, but yeah, you know, the summer's coming to an end. So it's like last hurrah, got a birthday coming up. So no big plans yet, but life just keeps moving on. How about you? What's- yeah, it's been uh, it's been a good, uh, good last little while. We've made some great progress on our uh, our startup here at Ground Level Insights and, you know, starting to get some things organized around LBMA events, uh, you know, kind of looking to the future a little bit around our conferences for next year and what we can do, you know, what COVID will allow us to do. Um, so it's been a bit of that. And otherwise, you know, it's uh, the countdown's on. I, I get a daily uh, update from my uh, daughter who's off to university in I think now she told me 18 days so um, this is you know her first year and leaving home and all of that so you know there's that stress but um, yeah otherwise you know doing good yeah yeah so we yeah we've got a good show for you um, four stories as usual um, and I'll just let Abriana kick us off all right. So let's kind of go over to the SaaS world a little bit here. Um, we've got Groupon is partnering with a company called Booksy. Um, and Booksy, you know, is pretty straightforward. They are a booking, you know, appointment booking kind of a software as a service option. And they are partnering to really just streamline this process so that whenever you're finding um, a salon or a spa or, you know, a similar service provider that you can actually um, book right through the Groupon Connect API platform um, and using the Booksy service. Um, so Booksy, I was not familiar with them actually, surprisingly, but they, um, you know, I guess they've been around for a little bit. They announced in January they were, they had raised uh, $70 million Series C funding. You know, they were trying to do more like beauty booking um, extension across North America. Um, And really they also are looking to partner with companies, maybe acquire some existing markets. Obviously I immediately thought of Booker, um, which is a mind body company, but Booksy apparently has 13 million consumers globally right now. And they also had a stat that I thought was very interesting that whenever customers are enabled to book their own appointments, the frequency of their visits actually increases by by 20%. Um, You know, I'm not sure if that's completely true or not coming from the world where, uh, you know, my husband and I owned a whole body cryotherapy, a wellness studio for several years, still have, um, you know, part of that business that runs as a rental business now after COVID, but you know, it's, we worked with a company um, called Booker and we also worked with Groupon. So, you know, what's interesting here is Groupon is kind of touting this and trying to get more, uh, probably attract more uh, buyers for Booksy with this this uh, partnership because merchants are able to get six months free subscription to Booksy um, and unlimited staff members to manage customer bookings 
And then as long as they're having 10 Groupon bookings every month, they can continue the service for free. So, um, you know, I think that the reality is, is like Groupon probably is, I don't know, I, I have, I have like a lot of experience working directly with them. And I would say it's not always a great fit. Sometimes it's an okay fit if you're just trying to bring like brand awareness and things of that nature, but it's not always um, a great step in the right direction for small to medium sized businesses. I mean, I've even seen like marketing studies that say when you discount sometimes through Groupon, you're actually like always losing money. But I think that, you know, because there is like a, a sort of a price gouge, right? You've got the, okay, you have to discount your service offering 50%. And now you're going to split the remaining 50% with Groupon um, type of a model. And so sometimes that gets like to be, you know, really where you are spending to bring new clients in. And, if, and a lot of times if you're attracting, uh, you know, new clients because of a cost savings, then you'll lose them for the same, right? They're not necessarily likely to become these loyalists. Um, and, you know, typically with a booking type of a platform, I think that that data stays within that platform, right? So if you want to continue to have access to all of those customers that are signing up and using uh, Booksy or, you know, others, you typically have to continue that service in order to, con to continue to have access to those, um, you know, that customer database that you've built. So I think there's a lot of challenges here for like a small business. But, you know, from a business perspective, being on the Groupon and Booksy side, I think the partnership makes a lot of sense. And um, I think they will both be driving business to one another. So, you know, within Booksy, being able to potentially discover other, you know, other items that are available for booking or potentially Groupons. But um, I think the integration of just being able to book right there through Groupon um, is, is a very valuable thing for anyone who actually purchases that and trying to push more consumers to the business sooner, because a lot of times people will purchase coupons and maybe forget about using them. Um, and they're just kind of sitting there in limbo and, and nobody's getting like that, that return on that dollar, not the business, not Groupon and the consumers not, you know, reaping the benefits. So I think from that perspective, this is very valuable, um, for all parties involved. So that's my quick take on it. Uh, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think it's an interesting partnership. I think it's it can serve both parties well in terms of, of growing uh, user bases and things like that. I think the challenge for me I have with this is, you know, Groupon is is one of those companies like we don't we, we haven't talked about Groupon on this show for a couple of years, at least that, you know, as far as I can recall. Um, and, and we used to talk about them a lot, them and living social and, you know, all the sort of the, the players in the local deal, uh, space. And, and I think, you know, the reality is, is that, you know, Groupon is a company that's in, in, in heavy decline right now, and they're looking for anything they can do to, you know, sort of prop, prop that up and, you know, who knows, maybe, you know, find it, find an exit. I mean, I remember, you know, when Rob was still co-hosting the show, we did a show and we were like, uh, they had, they had been made an offer, uh, the CEO at the time, I can't even think of his name right now, uh, of Groupon, somebody had offered them $7 billion and he said, no. Um, and we're like, take the deal guy, like take the deal. Like it's, it's just, you know, um, and here they are like they're they've been these guys have been around since 2009 like so you know around the same time the lbma started these guys started right and you know it's been it's been that you know sort of long of a run and you know their peak i was looking at some numbers uh just just now and and their peak was in in 2014 
And Q4 2014, in terms of active users, so meaning not just the people downloading, active, you know, using Groupon, you know, once, you know, at least once a month, uh, was at 53.9 million active users in Q4 of 2014. In Q1 of this year, 2021, that number has gone down to 25.8 million, right? So they were at a peak of 53, 54 million, and they're down to 26 million, less than 26 million, right? In terms of daily active users. So that check is not coming back. <laughs> so what does that tell you, right? Like it tells you, and, and they've, you know, they were a company that went big, acquired all kinds of similar local deal companies in countries all over the world. They've since set, shut down operations, written off losses in like 11 countries in the last little while. Like the, so this is a company that is struggling to find revenue to find users and you know booksy is a, a great platform you know to to team up with obviously they're well capitalized and you know they're growing um and and you know i think uh, groupon is like for me it, it it seems like they're on their last draw here yeah i mean i think i think you're probably right um I, I think that just the value that they provide to consumers and to businesses is not enough, right? It's just not, it's, it's, it's kind of a, a messy UI from a consumer perspective to find what you want a little bit. Um, it's not super intuitive anyways. And I think that the, you know, from a business, a small business perspective, I think small businesses are starting to learn, like, this is not really productive for me. I'm actually like losing money. Um, and I'm not getting the type of clients in the door that I want, right? Like I'm, I'm not, I'm not creating loyal fans. I'm not having that opportunity to convert um, and and to create like members or you know those that are going to really be like brand ambassadors for me um, from this type of, of following. So I think that I think that just you know it it is it it's telling, but I I don't know that if there's a drastic shift or a pivot that could happen for Groupon, but I think that. Um, you know, maybe that ship has sailed. I'm not sure. Yeah, well, it'd be interesting to watch, right? Like, I think there, you know, there's, there's still, there's still value in that company. There's still users. There's still relationships with small businesses and, and merchants out there. Um, you know, maybe some, some new startup that's on the rise, you know, can see value there, and, and Groupon can find a way, you know, to sort of, you know, monetize their way out of that. But uh, like, it, to me, it's a company in decline, and um, you know, they, they sort of missed their, their opportunity a long time ago. So. Anyhow, moving on to uh, a company that never seems to be in decline, and that is Nike. Um, so, you know, uh, these guys are, you know, always finding uh, ways to, you know, ramp up their brand, bring out new uh, shoes and, and partnerships with celebrities, you know, that people want and, and do cool things. Uh, they have a very successful uh, innovation lab and team. Uh, that are kind of pushing the boundaries on on tech and wearables and all kinds of, of cool things that they're doing these days. Um, one of them that's not so tech crazy forward thinking, but just cool, I think, is in their new flagship store in Seoul, Korea, um, where it's a 24,000 square foot uh, Nike Rise store, which just opened in the last couple of weeks. It's three stories. And throughout the entire store, it's just full of uh, LED displays and screens everywhere. Um, 
And uh, one of the cool things about it is, is that they use a, a significant amount of that uh, screen um, uh, space to pull in real-time running stats from the local Nike Run Club community around the store. Um, and I just thought it was an interesting one to highlight because I, for me, I don't think enough brands leverage data um, you know, through their apps and through their, their platforms that engage consumers and connect that into their physical space environments. Um, you know, for, for a couple of reasons. One is I, I think that the average consumer today, especially sort of the, the target audience for a brand like Nike, uh, you know, it's generally younger. Um, you know, people in, in those demographics, they crave attention. They want to see themselves on the big screen. And whether that's their picture or their data, their, you know, their, their numbers on their running or whatever they did, their activity, it's like, hey, like it. That's me. That's like, you know, I, I'm I'm projected onto the big screen, you know, in the big lights, and and I think there, you know, for for this generation, I think that there's something to that, and I think they're tapping into that with this type of um, you know sort of implementation in the store. The second is is I, I think just on a broader scale, I think there's a, a lot of brands like this, consumer facing brands, that have apps in the marketplace that have consumers with millions of, of, of people using them, or, you know, even extension into social platforms, you know, have followers on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram and whatnot and whatnot. And again, I talk a lot about that disconnect between the social media uh, platforms and these app platforms and the data that sits in there in terms of followers and users and all of that, and how you actually drive that to convert into purchase and transaction and sale in places where they can buy and consume your product, whether that's a restaurant or a, a running shoe store or whatever it is, I think there's you know a, a missed opportunity for many brands to kind of link those things together. And I, th I see this as a way to sort of bridge that gap a little bit and kind of bring those you know things together by taking the data from one side and and displaying it on another, right? And and it, you drag people in. Maybe they spend more time there, maybe they dwell, maybe they're happier because they see their data and maybe they then go buy another pair of shoes and so on. Um, so I think there's a lot of opportunities here for brands to kind of like learn from this very simple execution. Uh, nothing tech crazy, you know, uh, savvy about this. This is, it, it is very easy to do. Um, but, you know, uh, I think, ha you know, has the power to, to actually convert um, uh, and, and potentially lead to, you know, a, a significant uplift in revenue. So what are your thoughts? No, I, I completely agree with everything. Um, I think all of your, you know, sentiments are pretty spot on. Um, I do agree that, you know, a lot of, a lot of people want to have that clout, right? They want to have that, um, that kind of social standing and to be able to sort of have bragging rights, um, especially if they work hard and, you know, they're running long distances or doing something like that. And the other part for me is that I think of, um, you know, I like Nike as a brand, but it's not necessarily something I'm going out of my way to explore. But if I come across it, then it's something that I will would interact with, right? If there's something that catches my eye, then it kind of leads you down a trail of like, oh, well, what else do they have that's new? And what other shoes? Oh, the, what other, you know, like more athleisure shoes and running shoes? And what about this, you know, clothing items and kids stuff? Like you just, you know, but sometimes that, that uh, those portals and, and the, those opportunities of gateways to kind of uh, 
attract attention needs to be throughout different areas and different forms. You know, it's almost like, you know, it's like our education. We always say that there's a, a variety of ways that that children and just people in general learn. Some of us are, are, you know, learn audibly or by reading or kinesthetic. And so it's kind of the same type of opportunities need to be presented from a branding perspective and making sure that those opportunities are presented, um, you know, in different environments and then um, across the board so that different people can consume them. I mean, that's what really makes the difference, I think. But uh, I, I definitely agree that tying it back to something simple and real-time data is, um, is always exciting to see, even if it is a simple technical application. Yeah, so I, I think a lot of opportunities, right, for, for brands at, at large to kind of, you know, do similar types of things and engage, you know, with their data and, you know, connect that more to physical stores or physical, um, you know, and even online for that matter, right? E even e-commerce, right? You know, linkages there, I think that um, yet to be explored. So, yeah. All right. On to our next story. All right. Well, this is a pretty simple story, but it's one that I, I do like. Um, moving into kind of the grocery and food industry, Kroger is going to be opening ghost kitchens. So they are partnering with a startup, uh, which is called Kitchen United. And this will provide customers um, the ability to purchase freshly prepared restaurant food for takeout or delivery um, in some select Kroger locations. So the, the participating locations actually will have up to six different local, regional, or even national restaurant brands that are there. And customers can place an order for pickup you know, or delivery, and they can do that using Kitchen United uh, website or app. And um, you can also order this like in-store at the Kroger kiosks that they have. Um, now, this is not necessarily Kroger's like first foray into this area. They did have a, a retail partnership with um, Cluster Truck, which is a, a software platform, and it powers delivery-only kitchens, which is pretty cool. So, uh, you know, like meals on demand, no service or delivery fees. Um, this business model, though, is a little bit different here where, um, you know, this is based on like it's providing access to these local and national food restaurant brands, um, you know, kind of like within that whole shopping experience at Kroger. So they have Kitchen United's already opened six locations to date, um, and they are opening one here in Manhattan um, in the fall. And then also they're looking to expand into some malls. They have a deal with Westfield. Um, you know, what I think is, is interesting about this is that like, you know, the supermarket is somewhere that most people have to go on a regular basis, right? I know more and more we have been using delivery services and Instacart and things of that nature, but I think more people are, are opening up to being back in the store and, you know, there is a cost savings and there's also something to being there and just kind of being able to pick out your own produce or, you know, get those last minute items that, you know, you couldn't find in the app or, you know, it's just the convenience of knowing you're going to get what you actually want, I think is, is a nice piece of that. So I think the idea of being able to, hey, I'm going to go shop and then on my way out, I'm just going to pick up this, this meal that's already prepared. So I don't have to worry about cooking when I get back and then I can put the groceries away and think about meal planning for the rest of the week or whatever is always a great uh, concept. And I think it's a nice idea. You know, for me, I always think of, 
um, you know, there's those healthy, like kind of nutritious prepackaged meals that you'll see in different areas. Sometimes, you know, you'll have like a freezer inside of a gym or, or something like that. And I think there's a, a strong opportunity for that, especially with these types of delivery only kitchens or pickup only kitchens, um, linked in, into the supermarket. So for me, I'm thinking, well, if there's like a pre-made type of a family plan that I can just run in and pick up, you know, okay, I'm going to get two of these pre-made meals alongside of like all the things that I, the ingredients for what I'm going to be cooking. Um, it's a great balance to have that. So I think that the, the ease of use, the convenience factor, all of that alongside of other shopping that has to be done is a, is a great thing um, for consumers. And obviously it's a great thing for these restaurants as well, because now they are not necessarily having to pay the overhead and attract everybody in on their own. They've already got their own, um, you know, just like organic foot traffic that's coming for other reasons. So I think it's a win for, for everybody. And I, and I like this. Yeah, I like it a lot too. And I think obviously the, you know, the concept of ghost kitchens is, is popping up everywhere as well as uh, a virtual brands, right? I mean, a lot of restaurant, uh, big restaurant brands are, are creating these sort of virtual brands that don't have any physical uh, stores. Uh, and, you know, like they're, you know, they're sort of preparing meals for that brand out of, you know, their their other brands and, and so on and so forth, right? So, so there, there's a ton of that sort of happening right now. And I think, um, you know, it's, it's interesting to see Kroger, you know, a grocery chain sort of really get behind this idea because it, it's, I think they have the footprint, they have the foot traffic that you talk about. Um, and, you know, people are, you know, there's a captive audience there of people that, you know, are like sitting here going, yeah, while I'm here, I'm going to order this meal. Um, you know, it's coming from maybe local restaurants or, you know, it could be chains, but, you know, especially I think even better if it's local restaurants, you know, have that opportunity to sort of come through this, you know, Kitchen United platform, but sort of getting that visibility through, you know, big foot traffic, big brand in Kroger. Um, I think that's super interesting, right? So it, it's a new way, I think, from a marketing point of view to really promote a, a brand and a business in, in a local community in a, in a sort of, you know, um, uh, geo space or area, right? So, so, so I really like that. Um, and I think the simplicity of how it works in, in you know, with the sort of ordering uh, aspects of it and the mobile pieces, I think are, are really cool too. I think one thing that, you know, I find interesting with these types of ghost kitchens is, is when you look at the tech side of it um, in terms of, being able to in one kitchen prepare, you know, sort of meals across a number of different brands, um, you know, and then how that connects into the delivery side of things, um, you know, maybe not so much in a Kroger where you just pick it up right there, but in a, in a delivery sense of things, you know, being able to optimize orders and drivers and timing and neighborhoods that they're going to and all those kinds of things. Uh, you know, there's a huge opportunity to, you know, to find efficiencies there at scale uh, when you start to look at these types of, uh, you know, ways that, that a ghost kitchen can operate that a normal restaurant, you know, with its its real estate and footprint can't. So I, I really like that. And, and it, I think coming back to the Kroger piece of it, I, I think that they really, um, you know, they're a company, you know, they've been a part of the LVMA for a number of years. And they're a company that, you know, we talk about a lot because they're constantly testing technology and innovation and data and 
you know, experimenting with new models. So like, I, I really, I really think this is a, a strong move for them. And I know Walmart and others are, are exploring similar types of things, but, um, you know, I think, I think Kroger's, uh, they, they, they're onto something here and, and we'll, we'll see where this goes. So, all right. Our final story, uh, longtime LBMA member here, Blue Dot, uh, is getting, uh, heavy into the world of, uh, augmented reality and gamification. Um, so they've uh, got some new um, enhancements uh, to their platform that are really around, you know, creating game mechanics and real world uh, AR experiences. They've been working with brands like KFC and McDonald's. Um, but it's all about kind of taking the concept of something like Pokemon Go, which, you know, we, we saw a few years back and really making that mainstream, you know, available to, to brands and, and to, uh, to businesses all over the place. So whether that being, you know, uh, tying it into rewards platforms, uh, or, you know, using it as a way to drive foot traffic to stores like Pokemon, uh, was doing, you know, or, or creating more brand loyalty, you know, there's a lot, you know, a, I think people are, seeing the light right now around uh, the power of augmented reality and, and what it can do to enhance a, uh, a user experience or an app experience. Um, I, think, I think there's a lot there and I think the technology now is such that it, it can be baked into, you know, through SDKs and such into, you know, any app uh, for that matter. You know, it, unlike the old days where you had to download a very purpose-built AR you know, type of uh, app, you know, like, like a blipper or something like that. Um, so, so I think uh, a lot has changed there. Right. And, um, you know, and I think when, from a blue dot point of view, when you combine sort of the AR game, 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 game mechanics type of experience with their very precise location data side of things, you know, then it becomes even more interesting because you can be very targeted on, you know, where you're creating these experiences, when they get activated within a store uh, or within a restaurant or a brand or, or you know, actually tracking what is a, a, a real world visit, um, you know, and frequency of visits and things like that. So I think it's a, it's a good space for them to, uh, you know, to get, uh, you know, more active in, they're already active in, um, but uh, I, I like it a lot. I think, uh, you know, so they've got this sort of new, set of features that they baked into their offering. So they have something called a game, a gameplay dashboard, uh, which is a real time, um, data to view the, you know, what's going on with current players in, in the game and, you know, setting up your geofences and hot zones and, you know, understanding kind of the traffic and the movements within that, um, you know, and then they've got like other things to look at, you know, density management and crowds and, you know, um, you know, sort of, you know, clusters of people versus individuals, uh, and then setting up your zones and, and, uh, things like that too. Like, so even within a, a space, like a park, you can set up, you know, different areas within a park, um, you know, for people who are doing things like geocaching or, or things like that. So I like it. I think, I think it's a, it's a good, uh, a good move for Blue Dot. What are what are your thoughts? Well, you know, I'm excited for Emil and the team, um, to kind of have a, a step into more of the gaming side of location. Um, you know, I think before it had been very maybe retail driven or security driven or tracking driven, you know, just different um, di different drivers of that business. So it's kind of exciting to see them look into, um, in essence, another vertical that they can sell into. So I think that's great. 
Um, I, I, I do think that there's a lot that's happening in the gaming industry. You know, it is a, uh, a very lucrative industry and there's so much that, that has just like barely been tapped. So I think that there's a, a good opportunity for them to grow with this as well. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised if this is kind of what opens the door potentially for a future acquisition of some sort for them. So um, it's one that I'll be paying attention to um and i want to check out a little bit more so yeah yeah and, and there's a lot going on in the space right you've got you know next nav and 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 you know working with um you know they've got their unreal uh engine going on and, and others that are sort of getting more and more into this type of space um so yeah i i think it's uh there's a lot of opportunity and a lot of movement going on around this particular segment of our industry so congrats to the blue dot team all right that's it that's our show for this week uh you've been listening to episode number 530 of location weekly uh, we thank you for your time we'll be back next week with another show and uh please reach out if you have story ideas feedback uh give us some love on whatever uh platform you're consuming this on and uh we'll see you soon have a good week everybody bye